Hi, and welcome to the 140th edition of the Keen Minds podcast, where we cover NBC's The Blacklist. This is season nine, episode 12, The Chairman. I'm Jen, aka Takata Cycle. And I am Tessa. And how did you like the episode, which, by the way, was written by Kathy Bogues? Okay, cool. Um, I, I enjoyed it, but real fast before we get too far into it, I would like to give a shout out. We got a, well, we got a shout out on Twitter from Winfred Emily. So, hey, Winfred Emily, thank you for the shout out. Definitely saw it and shout out back to you. Yeah, thanks for listening. Absolutely. And so this yeah, episode, I, oh, I was just going to say, I, I liked the episode. It, I mean, I enjoyed it enormously, and it was so packed with clues. I had to make a list. I even made a poll in Reddit of how many um, threads we had going on in this episode. It was amazing. It was really, I mean, it had everything. It had clues, it had mythology, it has personality, um, yeah, character development. It was, it was, I think it was character driven, but you're the expert. It was a really enjoyable episode. Yeah, um, I, I wouldn't say it's character driven in the same way the others this season that I've been singing the praises of have been character driven. You know, the Dembe episode, the Wrestler episode, the Aram episode. Um, it, it was not necessarily blacklister driven, but I did very much enjoy the blacklister. One of the, one of the things that I, especially early on, loved in the blacklist, and one of the things that can be so difficult to do this deep into the game is to come up with new baddies that we haven't seen before, that have a fresh take on it, that don't feel stale, that don't feel like repeats. And this one was good. It fits right in line with the, the type of villains the Blacklist deals with. You know, it's everyday people, people in the business world, people, you know, that they're criminal counterparts. And so mm -hmm. I love that you have the stock market and in this you have the night market mm -hmm. and how much more sinister it is. You know, if you have insider trading on the stock market, you may go to prison, you know, or what have you, you know, if you get caught and prosecuted for it. But here, if you get caught doing something you shouldn't do and cheating someone out of something, you're losing fingers, you're losing Or being life. killed, yeah. Yeah, depending. depending on what the chairman decides. And I love that. I love the idea of this this person that started it. And there's been so much talk about, you know, um, building things on blockchain and uh, decentralized. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, it, like, as I was watching it, I went, and they, they said, well, why don't we just shut the website down? My brain you went, oh, show the be, internet. Like, that, that was my immediate thought was, oh, I bet they would build something like this, uh, decentralize it. And then <laughs> I think it was a wrong. Yep. So immediately I went, oh, yeah. that's nice. <laughs> Good to know. They, they first put that notion when they have Ariel King, they couldn't take it yeah. down because he was he was decentralized. So just taking one down didn't make didn't do anything. So it was awesome. I found the episode so entertaining, and I mean, it just started the way it started was just great. I mean, the scene in which these three guys 
but three, these two men and this woman have defrauded the the night market and they're going to have to pay and the payment is taking fingers and i found it fascinating because we have had a bunch of fingers that have been that have been severed i mean we started with carla reddington that got a finger taken off by berlin we had uh leonard cole who had two fingers probably when they tried to to garrote him and he put his fingers in there and the fingers got severed then we had um berlin got uh, caught his own hand we had um there's uh pete my my mcgee lost three fingers then uh joko in when the the cat the gasket the caskets were the episode of the caskets he lost four fingers um so this is going back to that and there's that concept fascinates me all those severed body parts red cut off the tongue of jasper tom cut off the tattoo in the neck of red's associate it's in the spider web the bones sent to berlin mm -hmm. the yeah. ears and other pieces uh, there is a whole lot of severed body parts that is fascinating to me the, and, and I love that we go back there and every time they do that, even if it doesn't directly means something, it just brings you back. It just brings all those things back right into focus. Yeah, it's a very subtle way, especially for those. It's a nice hat tip to those of us that have followed the show for so long and in depth. But I also think, I mean, you're, I don't know. I, I don't think people actually forget things that they it's more that they just can't recall them in the moment and so people that are watching this casually i i i'm not a psychologist i don't know you know this is just from observation of people but if you provide a subtle callback to something whether they realize it or not they're going to lean in that direction. So if they mm -hmm. saw it several years ago, they haven't thought about it since, but you have this repeat imagery. Mm -hmm. It's it's gonna- It's like subliminal. Yeah, exactly. And that subliminal advertisement, just they put an image there and then you will forever associate that image with that, yes, with whatever exactly. they're trying to sell you. You know, be sex and then every time you see a pair of shoes, you think of sex for no good reason, except for that image having been there. And I think it was banned. Um, so much in this episode. Um, I love how the FBI was totally able to trick the chairman into thinking that he had sung and at the end he did say yeah he did sing so park also bluff like cooper did so it's interesting because park has proven to be actually a very a good assessment from Miz to the value her value to the task force because she has come to be exactly what the black force needed you mean that the task force needed the task force needed that needed <laughs> that the black force. 
Oh, the blacklist. Which, which is really. accurate. I mean, it's the blacklist task force. Yeah, that's not bad. The black. There you go. Good job. <laughs> yeah. The Day task list actually works out in your favor. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, where do you want to start? Oh goodness. Um. So let, let's. Can we go for big and then small? Yeah. Yeah. So one of the big things that they had running through the entire episode, obviously was Liz's body being exhumed. I found that very interesting. Because you have Red, who doesn't want to be there, but he wants to do it. You had the conversation between Red and Cooper, in which Red's saying, well, it's not her. You're not disrupting her peace. You know, it, she's not there. It's just her body. And Cooper's like, you know, tough. This is what we're doing. You know, we're... I've got the guards there. You're not doing anything. Cooper has a conversation with Wrestler in which you can tell Wrestler is one of the, the driving key, force. Yeah. One of the key figures in wanting to keep those guards there, which I understand. Totally, that tracks. But Cooper tells him, I'm not relieving the guards. And then he turns around and does. And I. I found that interesting. I found it interesting, and it's totally on point that Rom accidentally spoiled the secret. <laughs> um, it's pretty typical. But it was just very interesting that Cooper went out of his way to tell Wrestler that he wasn't going to do it. And then when he changed his mind, he went not necessarily behind his back because he's not required on a business level you know as, mm -hmm. as his superior officer he's not required to tell him that but as a friend as someone that shares a relationship with Liz you know not the same type of relationship obviously but but she, you know they both loved her in different ways and so to go out of his way to tell wrestler essentially he's on his side with it and then to allow Reddington to get in there and do it anyway. Um, that, I think in Cooper's mind, doing it through official channels made it better somehow, mm -hmm. but I don't think it did in wrestler's mind. I mean, and I don't blame him for feeling betrayed by that because even if Cooper thought, and, and I, my assumption as I sit right now, I've only been able to watch it once. I was very busy and, and had to do some stuff mm -hmm. while I was watching, but my understanding was that he changed his mind because Agnes deserves to know the truth about her mother. And that's, you know, yeah. he's doing it. Both for Lou and Red gave him the same argument. Yeah. And, and you I know, get that's that. not her. You're not disturbing her mind. It's the living you have to, to worry about. And, and I do and, get that, but he wasn't worrying about, like, he was only worrying about one living. He was only worrying about Agnes and if she would want to know. And I understand yeah. that Agnes is Which his responsibility. Which is his, his responsibility. I, I do understand that. But the fact that he didn't go to wrestler and after after going out of his way to tell him, yes, you're, what you want to happen is happening, it feels like he went behind his back for it. And I can understand why wrestler would feel betrayed and distraught over that. He had no warning. And this is a very wrought emotional situation for him. I know. Um... 
you're you're totally right. It it was exactly as you described it. Yet it didn't bother me because I I imagine it is because I stand with red uh in saying, you know, that's not you know, she's not there. That's just the body. Uh, she's dead, and that doesn't disturb or worry, and the only people that matter are the living. So for me, it feels like like wrestler, for some reason, wrestler, wrestler always goes to to rubber banding in a way that it is always about this tiny, small thing that he attaches himself to, you know, and, and it's a crutch. And wrestler hadn't really processed what happened. He, oh, I definitely agree with that. I, I think that he, in his mind, he did when he went to the cemetery, that's not even half of it. The fact that he said waking up, you know, naked and covered in vomit every day, that tells you something that something is not right. And he's never been right. I got the impression that, that was, was in the past. Yeah, that was during when he yes. was binging yeah. uh, in those but, two years. But he's never really processed anything that has happened to him I fully and it, it goes and it goes I mean he's making this thing with Liz be so much more than it was it wasn't that they had a, this huge romance thing it wasn't that they were involved for years I, they were you know friends you know I years. agree with that you know that I agree with that but I think it goes back to what we've talked about again and again. It all comes it, from a certain in his view. mind. In his mind. It in was, his so mind, because, it was something different. Because but he loved reality. her earlier on than she ever gave him the time of day. They were friends, but she wasn't yeah. at all interested, you know, no matter where you land on how she felt about him in the end. Yeah. I, but, I, but you cannot convince me that during her time up until that point that she was quietly pining for him no i don't think that's accurate no and and, and but there is more than than that it, it's more intense than simply that it goes to me from audrey and he never really mourned audrey he went directly again that was the first time he went straight into narcotics and then he kind of got into work. He was at work the next day without having really processed any of this, which was happening. And I think in a way that he had that relationship with the, with the double that he paid to be the, the, and again, look what, what it is. It's a woman he paid to be his girlfriend then end up being, getting involved. And in a way, this was very much like that to me. It was not, it was not real other than in his mind, very much like for wrestler, he paid this woman to be the girlfriend and then end up being the girlfriend, except the woman at the end said, you know, this is not what I, 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 I don't need any make believe in my, you know, in my real life since I do so much of it at work. So for me, it, it feels that wrestler never got around 
what really had happened in his life. And it goes back to the brother. Yeah, it goes back to Tommy Marking. He doesn't process any of this. Then Audrey, and he lost Audrey the first time because he got obsessed with Reddington. Because I think Reddington was a symbol of what he really was, what he was afraid he was, the criminal, trying to be the, the tough guy and being tough to his brother, who in reality was a hero who had actually saved him and then took all the blame and destroy his life in the process. So for wrestler now, this new token is this body that cannot be disturbed because if we disturb it, we may actually learn something that would actually make him have to deal with it. Yeah, I agree because he he's still fixated and I, to a degree, I agree with him that, that it's, but he thinks it's all Reddington's fault that, you know, Reddington is 100% the reason Liz is dead. I disagree there. I, I think Red had a hand in it because of the situation. I think Liz had a hand in it. I think that, you know, obviously, uh, what's his name? I can never remember. Van Dyke. Van Dyke. <laughs> Van Dyke, whoever hired Van Dyke. Um, you know, and this is presuming that Liz is actually dead. The, you know, this was a multifaceted uh, group of people that, that had skin in the game here, that, that had mm-hmm. responsibility. And I, I'm with you, uh, both on the rubber banding and the fact that he's never processed it and that he likes to hyper-focus. And we've had a lot of characters that hyper-focus and we've talked about it over the years. What happens when they hyper-focus, they lose sight of what's happening around them. And he is hyper-focused on, if, in, if, if, this, if her body's disturbed, there's something deeply wrong there. Um, even if it's to find a clue that could lead to information about how she died. Because then I, I think Wrestler prefers to bury his, his emotions rather than body. deal with them. Yes, he, he mm-hmm. doesn't want to deal with them. It's the reason he drinks. It's the reason he does dr- Well, I, he doesn't, I don't know if he drinks or not, but he, he does, you know, narcotics. It's, he immediately it's, went for the uh, for the drugs. Yeah, I mean, and that's, he had the the pill bottle with him out at the at the yeah. uh, cemetery at the end of the at show the graveside yeah exactly and so he prefers instead of facing something and dealing with it in a health, pain painfully healthy sort of manner mm-hmm. he wants to bury that and if they dig Liz up he's going to be faced with this and the emotional can of worms i don't think he thinks he's strong enough and i really really liked the final scene with with alina bringing i i liked her bringing a rom i don't necessarily i could have gone with or without dembe being involved in it because i think dembe is kind of in a different category here mm-hmm. but a rom especially I've wanted him to be involved. I like I understand why Wrestler and Alina were the the ones doing this thing, mm-hmm. but Aram has known Wrestler nearly their entire career with the task force. And he knew Liz, you know, mm-hmm. as well as Wrestler did. They had a very tight friendship. And so and very fraught at times, clearly, when she set him up. But th- mm-hmm. there was a deep love there. It was a platonic love, but yeah, I feel like I always have to say that in this <laughs> show. <laughs> but you shouldn't have to, but you do. And But you know, there was a platonic love there that was almost sibling-like. 
and I, I oh, he had that lovely, uh, that lovely uh, speech when she died. She faked yeah. her death the first time. Yes. Well, oh my gosh. Time. Yes. Um, but so to to have a rom separate from this, and I really loved their talk there at the end with how they're processing and what they're facing and what they're dealing with, and calling each other out on on their crap because let's face it, none of them are very healthy in the way they handle things. Alina goes and becomes a freaking assassin. <laughs> uh, hey, that was a positive thing. She wasn't assassinating innocent people. It's it's true. I mean, like, if you're going to go be an assassin... She probably saved assassin, a lot of lives yeah, I, by like, killing them. I don't necessarily mind that she went and became an assassin. I mean, put that anger to something good, I suppose. I'm just yeah. saying. I mean, she, if, if you're going to put it between... Going for drugs that do nothing but destroy you and possibly, you know, whatever. And um, and actually, and, and Alina's way of doing it was the right way because she went for government sanctions. So mm -hmm. somebody was taking that responsibility and she was just doing what she was told to do for a reason that she's supposed to be a good one. But my point being that that's I mean, how she handled it. Aram built mm -hmm. up a company and then let it go to come back. And then, rest, mm -hmm. so, I mean, I'd say wrestlers is by far the least healthy response to what mm -hmm. happened, but they all dealt with it in various ways. And they all have this sinner horrifying hurt at the loss that they're trying, mm -hmm. it, that they're just scraping by with and better in, mm -hmm. in numbers sort of situation in which they can act as accountability to each other and so i loved them coming together in the end and i mean i, I understand why dembe was there you don't want to just leave him out but <laughs> i honestly thought that the core three probably yeah i don't sense. i but didn't, don't I didn't like out. dembe there i thought that it would have been better to leave him away yeah out of that out of that scene um i just i think because he's part of the team now Alina didn't want to single mm -hmm. him out. And like it, it makes sense for Cooper. Well, because and, if they tell and, if they tell Cooper, that that's a whole nother arena there because he's the superior officer. Yeah. But the the fact that that uh Cooper, I mean, Dembe did I didn't like him because of the relationship with Red with Wrestler. But Dembe had it a very tough time because he he had to step in when he wasn't really prepared for it. Um, he had to suffer through that devastation that Red did when he ended up killing somebody who was innocent and who wasn't his intention to kill, like a child. Even yeah. worse than Red because he was a child, not not a grown, not a grown up. Um, and oh, and I had a Dim big Bay, fault. Dim Bay has had more trauma than one human being. Yes, have to deal Plus, with so in one life. Everything in going on and his daughter. Uh, opposing what he wanted to do with his life. I mean, it was it was he had a tough time, and 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 I think it was it was all precipitated in a way by by this. Um, see, since we're talking about what happened, you know, with with the exhumation, I think it is it's very interesting the way Red process processes. Um, I mean, he obviously was devastated. We've seen it the, when Liz faked her death, he was, he literally collapsed into rubble. 
and this time he just he was just pulled out and he disappeared unable to stop walking and couldn't do anything and at the same time he's not one of these people who romanticizes death or i mean we saw it when nick died and he said you know cemeteries are a reminder for a lot of people a reminder of death for me is a reminder of the living and i like that this time in a in a different sort of way he he went back to that by saying you know we need answers and that's something the living need it's exactly the same thing that he was telling Liz when when Nick died, you know, is the living, the, the reminders of the life and finding out who killed Liz, it's a reminder, it's, it's worrying about the living, not about the dead. And so th this is very interesting to me because if we hadn't had that final scene with him watching everybody, I think I think I would agree with you there. I, I think that he thinks he's trying to find closure of some sort, um, but he's also very alienated while doing it. And that so final- So that? He's a sin eater. Say what? He's a sin eater. It's true, it's true. I mean, he's always been alienated to a point. And, but I just found it very interesting that at the end, the four of them were coming together at the grave around Liz, you know, around, around Liz's grave to essentially try to do better, try to find a way through it. And you have read on his own, and it was very interesting the way he posed the, uh, the discussion with Cooper at the very beginning. He said, we need this. And while I think it's easy to think that he's saying like you and I, we, to me, it felt more like a royal we, that like the we you use when you try to make it sound like you're talking about yourself and others, but you're really just talking about yourself. I don't think so, because he may fear that whoever did that is coming for Agnes. Maybe. And, um, and remember, we have something that supports this. Somebody got stalking his company and he doesn't know who or why. So he is already feeling that the news, like he told Kate in Requiem, at the end of Requiem, they're, they're circling lists like wolves in the night. And there are people from Katerina's past. And I feel that he's already feeling like the wolves are going around. And he doesn't even know the half of it because he doesn't know the stuff with Cooper but Cooper's but but Cooper is Agnes guardian and I think that not understanding that and also you have to remember that when Townsend put a directive the in the in the last season he he, he took the entire task force with it too and he Red told Cooper, it's not just me and Liz, it's all of you. Everybody who's close to me is now a target. And I think that, that that's in his mind. It's not just him. 
It's everything that is closing in. He's already feeling the breath, the hot breath of the next big bat closing in. I just had a really off the wall thought that I don't actually think they're going in this direction, but it'd be a very interesting twist if they did. Um, if- Pray uh, tale? <laughs> if instead of whoever was after Katarina, like someone is coming for Agnes, but it turns out to be St. Regis coming for her. So I've said for years that <laughs> the St. Regis would probably love to get a hold of Tom's daughter. Agnes? And, oh, yeah. And I mean, they, they didn't really know Liz, but they knew, you know, Raymond Reddington. And if, if that trickles mm-hmm. out that it was Katerina Rostova and Raymond Reddington's granddaughter, that would be spy gold right there to get a hold of her young yeah. enough to train her. Um, I don't think yeah. they're going that direction, but it's just one of those things that struck a chord as you were talking. I'm like, oh, that'd be fun. <laughs> and and that brings us to another thing he said at the cemetery when he meets with with Red. And Red was there when they exhumed it. Also, you know what reminded me of that scene with Red looking at at, uh, at the casket being lowered again when he sit he sat in the car and looked at the pictures of her birthday. That remind me of that scene, alone in the car, looking at the pictures of her birthday. And I wonder how many times he he sat in a car and watched Liz playing in a in a in a schoolyard or or out with with Sam in the beach. How many times did he did he do that? Yeah. But the how, did part that get, how did Raymond Reddington get arrested? He got picked up for stalking a child. <laughs> <laughs> but he's my child. Um, one interesting thing he had is we got another mention of Red Father, and those have been far and in between. Yeah, um, it was very interesting. He, he's not a good man, as he told the psychologist. He excommunicated him for being more because he was a moralistic and disciplinarian. Um, he liked Cadillacs. Uh, he used Bill Crean. He forced he told him, him to stay with the uh, summer job. Yeah. He told him to value his words. He was also... Um, and now we know that he was an entomologist. He loved insects and taught, taught him how to build a microscope. And he... And now we know he dabbled in paint and Red kept one in the bathroom, which I thought was hilarious. I don't know that, you know, but generally you don't put things in a bathroom that you really appreciate. But yet he, Red had a conversation. And I wonder, doing what in the bathroom? Did he have a conversation? <laughs> well, my thought didn't go quite I mean... that direction. <laughs> My thought was so scatological. That this is <laughs> yeah, not so scatological. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> um, no, my my thought process was we when we met him in the pilot, he said he never stays in one location. Was it more than two nights or three nights? Um, but he he moves locations mm-hmm, three all nights. the time. He did obviously have the weird mm-hmm. little apartment that we have seen so many times. The Bethesda um, apartment, yeah. And so 
I, I call it the weird. It could have been much earlier in his life. Um, but my question would yeah. be, when was that? Was that back when he was married to Carla? Was that in the could apartment? Be. You know, is that is that in the apartment that he keeps? Did he stay somewhere else? It doesn't seem to be enough? a near thing. Yeah, it just yeah, it was very exactly. strange. Not he since he was a fugitive, unless he was in the Bethesda apartment. But it was interesting that he had conversation with his father in the bathroom. So again, I went all scatological in it because Privacy, that's not maybe? a place that I. Well, I mean, huh? if it was when he was yeah, but he father. lives alone. What? Yeah, but then other people will be in the bathroom. I mean, it's a weird place to put something to have conversation with a dead person. Of course, if if we're to believe that there was an entirely different Raymond Reddington, that was the man that was married to Carla, not this Raymond Reddington. I except he said that that was his wife, and yeah, by I was going to uh, say I just uh, believe encounter that that seemed exactly like a relationship with someone they were married. I was going to say just the way Carla responded to him yeah no they they were married <laughs> so that i mean it's just any way you come at it it seems like you're always landing in this but it's interesting that he kept that that thing even though his father had excommunicated him and i you know you're starting to get this little things about about red and i wonder if you know, he never saw him again. And that, I always go back to that lieutenant in the U.S. Ar um, Air Force that is in the Bethesda apartment. That the, Well, the apartment has a very Russian flavor. I, the whole thing is fascinating to me. Every time we get into Red and the father, I'm like, I'm interested. Well, it's funny how the his mother had a very Russian meal that she used to make for him. Mm -hmm. So you have to, you know, there's a possibility that maybe his mother was Russian. His father was American military. Yeah. Well, the maybe mother may have been of Russian, of Russian heritage. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she yeah. may have been, you know, lived in America for years and yet, you yeah. know, either her parents were from Russia or maybe she had most of the people Russia who I mean, most of the people who emigrated from Russia during the revolution in the 1917 and, and then tended um, those called the, they call the white the white emigrants or the white Russians because they were um, loyal to the Czar and the Czar uniforms were white. So they, they call them the white Russians. And they Tended to um, with a culture because they thought that they would one day go back to to Russia to the Russia they knew, and they kept the customs and they kept the language and they kept the food they kept the religion. Um, it, it, they were fascinating. I mean, I I remember meeting a few of them as cab drivers and they were countess and con and counts and aristocracy driving a cab or being professors or you know, whatever they, they had uh, to be, to survive in that time. Um, let's talk about that tracker, because that tracker is fascinating. I, I saw possibilities we discussed last week, that last episode was that the tracker had to be either implanted under the skin or he had swallowed it. 
And voila, it is a swallowed one. Well, now this have, is becoming. Wouldn't they have found that during the autopsy? Yeah. If they were looking for the stomach context, and maybe not. But but the fact the fact that they found that as a swallowed one makes up possibilities for who could have how could it have got there to two people so far i mean we may learn something new in the coming weeks but so far what we have is two people we have liz herself because something was big it wasn't like oh i'm not going to notice like i'm going to put in a glass of water and i'm going to swallow it so either he was disguising a pill that Liz was supposed to take or she took her herself. And the only person that she could have, it was is Mrs. French. So we're down to Mrs. French and Liz. It's not something you could swallow by mistake. You could have yeah. chew it. It's, it has to be something swallowed or chewed. And the possibilities are getting very narrow. Do you have any thoughts on that? Not really. Um, I mean, other so than- So what's your bet? Um, I actually, did they show the tracker? I must've looked yes. away with, okay. I, I didn't see the tracker, so my thought didn't go towards that. But if it's, I'm gonna take your word for it that it was very large. And if so, then that, yeah, I mean, that's that makes sense that you wouldn't- I mean, it's not something so tiny that you would swallow it like in a drink and not notice. Right. Um, because just and it because was it activated, yeah, by oh. her stomach, um, by, by being digested. And so it's not as if the activations, what we're looking for, it's the size of it would be what would, you know, yeah. and also because if it's activated, once it goes into the stomach, it means, and, and Van Dyke was not tracking Liz the day before when she was in Central Park. Now we know when that tracker got in the first point the truck was a train station so it must have been given to her by mrs french while she was still in new york and she was coming back to washington to do the assassination that day that we don't really know what she did other than she went to meet dembe in a cafe and went to the safe house and i, I or, don't think i don't think so but possibly dembe as well I mean, like, I don't think that's a solid bet. <laughs> no, I think that that his 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 utter bewilderment as to how that happened tells me I don't think that's what it did. But that's what I said. I, I, I don't think it was him. But I'm just saying I, on the list of people that would have had access to her, he's on access the list. to Liz. Yeah, but other than that, it because of the nature is not something you can chew. So he yeah. had to have done in a pill or she had to have done it herself voluntarily. And the only person who could have given her a pill that she would take, you would think is either a doctor or the Mrs. French telling her, hey, your vitamins or whatever, uh, or something that she was taking. Or to me, what it comes down is she did it herself. And I think that's where we're going. And for everybody saying, well, this shows that Liz is death because it was a body with a tracker. No. Not really. The body has not been identified by DNA. Alina was alone with a body in the morgue and a body that had a hole from a bullet. So she could have just pushed the tracker in there 
uh, that she had retrieved from Liz. And it, it just could be. I mean, I'm still not in the I mean, camp I, that I, is impossible. I, that I don't Liz think you would push a tracker into the chest and get it down into your stomach. That seems a little far-fetched to me. Well, we don't know what she did. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how it would be, or maybe they just didn't. They just put it in the in the coffin. I don't know. I mean, I, all I know is we have Alina alone with a body. She alone identifies the body and says it's Liz, and we saw the body had the clothes of Liz. But so far, we have not had a positive ID of that body as being Liz. That only comes from DNA. And, maybe, and maybe we not. only know that there was a tracker. Yes, exactly. It, depending on what it is. I mean, depending on who does it, too. So I thought that that was, that was really interesting that they went that route because the possibilities have been diminished. And I think that the way this goes, eventually they're going to start tracking that tracker and they're going to find out that it was Liz who got it. And then they're going to exhume the body again to test for DNA. How many times can you unbury a body? Eh, all the times he needs. Makes for fun scenes of the cemetery. <laughs> they're like, we have, uh, we have this set here. Yeah. We need to find maybe a that, way to make it worth our money. Maybe the AME will say, I'm just going to take a DNA sample just to be sure, just so that we don't do this again. If they're smart. Um, the secret investor of red, that is a fascinating thing. So despite, despite Dembe and Marvin trying to keep that thing alive at the beginning, and then obviously only Marvin and, and Hetty, they weren't doing so good. The red had no he lost the routes, he lost the, the, the ports, he lost things because he wasn't there. And that's something we saw in the Skinner when people say, hey, you know what, I don't know who you are, but you know, you're long gone, you're, you're out of the loop. Um, so there, to my view, there's only two possibilities for somebody investing heavily in Red's company. One is to help him to keep him afloat. And the second one is to eventually control him. And that's what we don't know. Or both. Or both. Could you both? Well, one is to help him, the other one is to control, to, to destroy him and control him. But I think, okay, if it's someone like Katarina, let's I, say. That's my, my go-to. It can't, it's always our go-to. <laughs> <laughs> We we have a we have a go to. It's always cat. Yeah. Um, yeah. But say it's Katarina, which would make sense with the story and everything. That is a potentially love hate sort of relationship going on there, mm -hmm. helping in order to keep it afloat. Like Dimbe was thinking at the beginning, with like, mm -hmm. I want you to have something to come back to, and so she's helping him by keeping it afloat but she's also got it so that when he goes off the beaten path she's got a short leash to pull him back on mm -hmm. yeah and, and also to control the direction because if i mean if katarina gotta be a little sick of 
of the males helping her, quote unquote. Well, it's, it's the carrot and the stick. It's, you know, all right, if you're, you know, if you're doing what I want you to do, I'm helping you. If you're, you know, going against me, guess what? <laughs> now it's the stick mm -hmm. because I own yeah. a majority shareholder in your, in your criminal yeah. empire. <laughs> I can and, talk and about for just half a second his exchange name. Concierge of crime. Perfect. Perfect. See <laughs> see. I laughed so hard. <laughs> and he wanted it to go bankrupt and, and it didn't. Well, that that's a name that they called him, quote unquote. You know, the, the the papers gave him. And so that's that's not something that he necessarily chose for himself, unless, you know, he pulled in some social mm -hmm. media guru and said, I want to be called this, make it happen, which is always a possibility for them. <laughs> oh, it's more respectful than other things they could have called him. Yeah. It's got a nice ring to it. Yeah. So I think that that is compounding with red sense of doom that he's feeling that he's losing control of things. And it's to him, it must starting to feel a little like Berlin. Like somebody is circling him and he doesn't know who this person is. And I mean, depending on what theory camp you fall in, Katerina is an option. Other, I've seen other people saying, you know, Marvin, but I don't think Marvin uh, will be up to that. Um, and I don't, I mean, I, I'm sure that he's made a packet of money, but I'm not sure that he has that kind of money. Whoever had that money has dark money, has criminal money. And we don't know. I mean, if Katerina is out there, she's probably found some lucrative business uh, to keep to keep the money flowing. I was going to say, to, know, the to stay millions. off the radar, that takes a good chunk of change in today's world. Mm -hmm. Yep. So I'm sure that she's plugged into some sort of criminal enterprise. And again, one thing that makes me curious is um, drugs. Red never went for drugs, which makes it all the more interesting because my own particular theory, Carla Rina, that Carla is Katerina, that and Garvey had a, an in with the, he was with the Nash Cartel. And I always thought that the reason he got into there was to be her front. So that is, you know, to me, it kind of flows to me. I'm not expecting anybody to flow with that. That that river lift my boat, but nobody's else. You know, I I may be on board with the red was with the FBI or some other, you know, that he's been deep mm -hmm. undercover. You you pretty much won me over on that one at this point. I'm still must been like five years. Yeah, you know. <laughs> I'm a hesitant individual. Um, yeah. That's why but, I love you. Hey, 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 it's it's balance here. We've got to yeah. have balance. <laughs> but uh, I, I'm on. But on you've never gone into edge. into Carlarina. I was gonna say I'm on the razor's edge about Liz being alive. You know, every other episode. But yeah, Carlarina, I've never gotten on board. I I'm not saying it's impossible. There are very few theories I will say are impossible um that that's not going to be one of them i just i'm not on board with it yet 
Um, you wanted to talk. Let's let's go into Cooper's secret blackmailer. That's an interesting thing, and then we'll talk about Cooper and the and the and the Bonnie and the fulcrum and all that it implies by yeah, what was, he says. It was really interesting that we brought the fulcrum back around. Mm -hmm. I mean, but let's let's talk about about the blackmailer. Well, I just I, that's kind of keyed into it. So remember what we were talking about earlier with these subtle and subconscious threads that get pulled at here. So we, we've, we've talked about for a while, you know, who, who is the blackmailer? This mm -hmm. feels very Kabbalish. Yes. And this feels like the Cabal's MO. Mm -hmm. And that we're kind of True. Know, hoping and waiting for the Cabal to come back because that's a thread that's been left out there. Well, the bunny and the fulcrum, the fulcrum brought down the, a chunk of the Cabal at the end of the Cold War. So we're being led in a very subtle manner back to the cabal in the same episode. Yeah, the black color. Yeah, the, in the same episode that he was, he's brought up the blackmailer again after silence for several episodes. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. I had not made that connection. I just that is did. perfect. So it's, yeah. Absolutely. And you know that that name is one of the blacklisters to come. The guy that they wanted to get him out of in witness protection. That guy is one of the coming blacklisters. Um, here's my question for you. Do you think that Agnes actually dropped the bunny in the car? Or do you think Red took said bunny for something? Oh, it didn't occur to me. Because I am he would have he would have returned it. He oh, would yeah. have returned it. Well, he did um, because he's the one that returned it to Cooper. He said, "Oh, I found it under the seat," which seemed really convenient. Um, maybe he put something be. in there because I I am still convinced he's the original Raymond Reddington. I still me think too. he's the original Redd Reddington. So. That me like I actually have in my notes because I was jotting down a few things while I was watching it, um, talking about that. Uh, you know, because he made the kind of your grand your grandfather put the fulcrum in there, and so I immediately just went to Reddington. <laughs> because Do you remember that scene when um, when Liz is supposedly dead and he goes and finds and he's in the apartment. And Tom comes in. He has the and bunny. Looks at, and he has a bunny in the hand. And he says, put it down. And Yep. Yep, I do. That's I went saying. right there's there with that, with that. There's something fishy about the excuse that Red uses of, oh, she must have gotten tired and dropped it. It just seems awful convenient. Yeah. And I, I guess I mean, it could have been just a really weird way to bring the bunny back in. But I just feel like there are other ways to have brought the bunny back in without having lost it i think well it's Red... a very wait, wait 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 say that again and you'll see it say what you just said it again there was way to bring the bunny back without having lost it yeah. but the bunny was lost that's my point because 
exactly. The, the bunny was lost. Remember that when Liz was a kid and she was dropped with Kate, with a bunny. Kate cleaned the bunny up. Katerina called her, told her to bring Liz to Sam. She did bring Liz to Sam. And then she forgets the bunny in the car. Kate drives all the way back and we see it. There is a an unused scene, but we do see it in the in the in the show that aired. When Katerina calls the second time, Kate is mending the bunny. That's, That's how nobody I realized I, that I there was, was something in it. I was thinking when I was watching this, wasn't Kate the one to put the fulcrum in here? No, she but was. It's, she, I know why I thought about that. It goes back to the subtle thing that at the time when she was mending it, I thought that was them saying that she put the fulcrum in there. And so my brain. Well, just we went, don't know. All we know is she was mending the fulcrum, the, the, the bunny. And then in that um, unused scene, we have her driving back to Nebraska against Katerina's orders, uh, ostensibly to return the bunny and tell um, Sam about that she doesn't like mushy pancakes and you know what this and that. And then that's how she drives. She goes. She's in a bar in the Midwest and meets Annie. But during that time, that Kate had the bunny, nobody knew where the bunny is. If Katerina or Reddington had call and said do you have something do you have everything that liz had on her when she was brought in he would have gone and looked through everything and he would did not have the bunny and he did not know about the bunny and probably as soon as he saw that bunny suited and dirty he would probably have put that and reminded her of things that were painful she probably he probably took that bunny put it in a box in the attic or in the in the basement and forgot the the whole thing because she didn't want to be reminded and the second Liz took that that rabbit out of that box after he died she started remembering the fire so the bunny was lost and was left in a car and now the bunny is lost and is found and then was left in a car so that's really interesting. I just, there's something going on there. That, yeah. That's all I've got is that there, and my immediate thought while watching it was Red wanted that for a reason and he took it and he doesn't want anybody to know that he wanted it. And so I, I don't know why, but I, I do believe that Red was responsible for the missing bunny this time around. It could be. It could be just something he wanted, something of Liz. It well, could I, be, I don't. I think it would have to be something that he could material. get off of it. Yeah, yeah. you know, I, I don't. Or know. it could be just simply to put that in there. So, but I like the connection you just or made. Maybe he put something in the hideaway hole in the bunny for Agnes. You know, if somebody if somebody's coming for her, maybe he gave her her own protection of some sort. It could be. There's been a lot of talismans and readings and that sort. So I don't know. Yeah. It's one one very interesting aspect is that the more we see Cooper interacting with Red about Agnes, the more it becomes increasingly obvious that Cooper knows exactly who Red is to Agnes. Maybe. 
Um, my question was certainly while he was telling Agnes the story at the tail end, because obviously for the audience, it ended before he said, you know, why this other person named Raymond Reddington that put the fulcrum into the bunny had the he same said it's a long story. Pokey. Yeah, like yeah, he we, said it's a we long didn't as story. The, as the audience, we didn't get that answer. But supposedly he gave it to Agnes, meaning he has the answer to that. Now, to be fair, he said, I'll tell you as much as I know. But mm -hmm. the fact that he was going into those details of the story leads you to think that he knows the answer of who Red is to Agnes. Yeah. Which is interesting. And and it's I mean and we we discussed this at the at the beginning of the season like can you imagine somebody totally unrelated like uh, yeah I'm a criminal and I want to have access to this child yeah um, take her to the freaking opera I mean yeah like I was very and and Cooper that. and Charlene are gonna say oh sure yeah you can have her but i have to be present and then it's like no no you can take her on your own you can go to the opera with her i mean this, that this doesn't even first, this this is also the first time that we have heard him say that he takes agnes out of the house by himself because clearly mm -hmm. neither the coopers were along for the the opera ride and so exactly. that means it was just and maybe Weecha or someone else you know but but it was just red and and agnes and agnes knows his name he knows he's raymond reddington mm -hmm. yeah but she also so knows that this, he's russian or at least thinks that he's russian her mom told her that he's russian and that goes into let's just let's just go into this because it is to me the most blatant clue that i have seen in season nine and the last episode of season eight is that absolutely nobody has mentioned N13 or Russian or being a mole or any of this. Yeah. Or for that matter, Ivan or any of it. It's gone i mean the only mention comes from what liz believed and told agnes after having read the letter and everybody is is going on about this rush thing but the to me was that it was the saying that it was an important person in her life so the absence of this thing about red being n13 or n13 and to me it means that what we saw in the season 8b after annie and misere converge and liz disappears from Anne's house that that we saw may not be all of it reality we well, may I think we know that it wasn't because it wasn't it after that that we saw ghost Kate floating around and that with no yes. explanation on why she was hallucinating Kate Kaplan. Yes. Well, like, we have more than that. We have, I mean, if you think about the Russian knot, which is the first episode that comes after that, think about it. 
we have seen Red and Ivan talking on the phone. Why do they need a freaking Russian nut machine from the 1930s or 40s to communicate when they use the phone? But what it does is tell you that what, and when I think I know what Red was doing, Liz had found a folder of ads decoded or partly decoded, and she knew that, and she took them to this Russian who told them, who's a professor now, and told them about all the, the, the Russian knot. But Red was looking at those ads, and those ads were found in Blonde Cat's locker. So those ads were really Blonde Cat's. Liz makes up all the story about what they were supposed to be, but the fact of the matter, those were probably the way in which Blonde Cat communicated with her handler. In the middle of the Cold War, that makes sense. That would have been a good way to do it in the Cold War before cell phones and secure cell phones. So I think that what we're slowly going into is understanding what part of what we saw was real and what part was this weird mind going. And I think that just as we've been going, the entire season nine has been about what happened since Liz died and going back to that into that day like a little bit at a time. I think that next season is going to be going back into season eight and understanding what is that we actually saw, what was real and what was not. Because obviously, Red and Ivan did not communicate with a Russian, not they have a phone. So nothing that comes from that entire line is true until we have Red putting a plant, uh, planting a tracker in Godwin Page, putting Liz in the next stall, which was basically having a way for Liz to, to steal it and track Townsend, go to a bunker in Latvia where he can incinerate uh, Townsend safely. And the rest is Liz emerges from there all nice and sweet, like, oh, I can fly because Townsend is dead. It's like, excuse me, an episode before you were offering Bino Baker money to kill, and now you had a tracker on so that Townsend will track you. So something happened there that everything that came before that moment is all a suspect to me. Maybe, yeah. I mean, it was either very poorly written or suspect. I, I yeah, hope well, it's suspect. I mean, let's go to the protein because <laughs> if you're going to hire an assassin that lets go of the child but goes for a sister that had not been really in witness protection since 2007, uh, but oh, I miss the kid. Really? This guy who can find anything about anybody cannot find the kid? who's just with one driver and one woman? No. All right. Do you, I have one last thing that it goes to the fulcrum and the description of it is one of the most fascinating things I've seen in the last time. Because remember how I've been saying that if we looked at, at how the fulcrum happened, Reddington, it was, it was, a, they call it a blackmail file. And this, this whole thing about the, the, and Nakalo supposedly he made it. 
never saw him entering the code. And the code was written by Leonard Cole, who said that he wrote it for Fitch because he was out of the loop and the director did not trust him. But that could not have been Peter, as Liz assumed, and we did too. Because the, before he came on board, Cole had seen that. So that cannot have been Peter, who in 1991 was not the director. It must have been the director of clandestine services back then. And or, that's. Or director of some other organization. No, he did say the, of clandestine services. Oh, did he? Okay. Let's assume it was the actual one, but I couldn't have been because the bunny was lost. So Cole saw it before then, which means the director of the of of clandestine services had it back then, and or was had against Fitch back then. So not this guy, somebody else, and I bet that's the big bad. But they describe the fulcrum as I've been describing it. Fitch, that was not a blackmail file. That was a way to take down the, the cabal from the inside out. Once you exposed it, I mean, it, it, wasn't, it was exposing everybody on it. It wasn't blackmailing. You're, otherwise, you're just shooting yourself with the foot. But the only way they could have done that they would have creating that is in order to use the cabal to dismantle the soviet union and then expose it and bring it down but with when the fulcrum was lost when the bubble module was lost they couldn't and then we also have the issue that we don't we never saw Reddington inputting the cipher. What we did see him is turn that key and then he released the, the bubble module. To me, it means that Fitch put that code in to prevent anybody who wanted to steal that to use it without him knowing. That's why when you go back, Red had no idea there was a cipher text. He had no idea why Fitch told him to contact um, Cole. He was just like, you have to do it. And he does it. But he says, what does he want me to know? Why? Because he didn't know there was a ciphertext. So Fitch was having one up on him. And he was having one up on Fitch by stealing the bubble module. But the bubble module, the fulcrum is described as, and I quote, both to Lou and to and to um, Agnes. Hold on. It played a key role in the breakup of the Soviet Union. But that's not what the, the apparent story that we have, which is is just a blackmail of these people who are controlling the world and we just want to take it down. What is, this is really saying is the information there was, was Fitch using it to take down the Soviet Union. 
And then he, he said exactly the same thing to Agnes. That's how the Soviet Union got down. And it was a work of what was the information in the Fulcrum, which means Fitch and Reddington were working together against the cabal, but using the cabal to take down the Soviet Union, which goes to that letter by Lucas Ryder that was published in the, the Blacklist Exposed. And that's what I have to say. That's to me is a momentous clue, the way that Cooper refers to the fulcrum. Yeah, I'd say that I, I, specific wording in this show is used in the same way that they use visual cues. They use auditory cues. And so, yeah, I, I think they use the same wording on things because they're trying to draw your attention back. Mm-hmm. She said, she got it after your grandfather. He had flash drive inside of her that contained a very important secret, a secret that changed the course of world history. The entire world is the way it is because of a secret hidden inside that bunny. It's huge. We're going back to the cabal. We're going back to the fulcrum. About time going back to the cabal. <laughs> Mythology is alive and kicking oh. for all of them, for all of the fans that thought that we were done with mythology. Well, I was worried about it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, no, I, I have my moments of doubt. It's, yeah, you know, you get kicked so many times. Actually. <laughs> you know i was gonna say they're circling back around to it i i've enjoyed the last several episodes a whole lot more than i did the first half of this ish first half of this season the first half of the season was just i mean it was season six all over again for me i hated season six the, the first two episodes were where i was just it was it was painful i mean like i know you and i talked about being done <laughs> So, um, it was brutal the first two seasons, two episodes back. But hey, we stuck we, it out, we, and, we and yep. here we are. That's all I have on that episode. It was really good. Um, it was impressive work on on on. I mean, the, the on on the part of of uh, of the team. Uh, I mean, red scenes at the at the cemetery were heartbreaking. Yeah, and I love that Cooper came back to being exactly what Red told us when he thought he was going to be executed. I know that you will be alright because you have people who love you. People who will always tell you the truth. And I love that that Cooper is choosing to tell Agnes the things that that needed that she needed to know about her family instead of perpetuating that secrecy. I, I agree with that because I, I do we heard it straight out of Tom's mouth back in season four, I think it was, where he said, um, secrets, secrets hurt people. people. Secrets put people in harm's way. That's it. And, and that has been a perpetual theme 
through this show. And so to see Cooper break that mold is good. It's encouraging. Mm -hmm. That's all I have. That's all I've got too. So you guys can, of course, listen to us on Spotify, iTunes, and SoundCloud. You can chat with us on Facebook, on Tumblr, Twitter, and uh, Tess is over on Reddit. Until next time. Until next time. Bye-bye.